Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So speaking of kids, I wanted to actually help some of our younger uh, people here understand something some of us older people say. So you may have heard uh, someone like me, my age, say, uh, we jumped the shark. Anybody ever hear that before? Jump the shark. So now uh, what that means is uh, that you've kind of, you've been trying to get better and better and better and you're always trying to outdo yourself and it's usually in like a TV or a show and and you get to this point where it's like you've tried so hard, you've just tried too hard and it's ridiculous and it comes from a show that was on when I was a kid called Happy Days and so when I was uh, six years old, 77, um, for they decided Fonzie. Now, this is funny because Fonzie is like this super tough guy, and it's Henry Winkler. I don't know why we ever thought he was tough. But anyway, he's like this tough, like, biker guy. And um, for some reason, they write this episode where he's in California, and uh, he's going to jump a shark on water skis. And that's like where it just got ridiculous. In fact, I have it right here. Let's show him. Here's jumping the shark. Let's, let's check it out. And that was the moment when it was over for Happy Days right there. And I mean, the guy can't even take his jacket off. Kowaterski, what is going on there? And so this idea, I actually had my own jump the shark moment right here on this stage in uh, 2016. Um, I, was, I was working on, I don't know, I was in this like phase where it was like I wanted to bring these illustrations. So I'd always bring some sort of new illustration. And uh, our youth ministry had brought in these big bubble balls. I think they're actually, the real name is, I think we got a picture, is like knocker balls. They play soccer in them and stuff like that. And so I had this idea that I was going to use one in a sermon. And so I'm up here and uh, it was on Saturday night. I'm getting ready. And the problem is that my head was like kind of sticking out of the top and I didn't know it, right? And so I'm up here and I'm just practicing, you know. Falling over here, I thought, I'm going to make this really dramatic, and I'm going to dive off the stage. And so, so I dove right here. I dove off the stage. I jumped up, and my head hit that step right there. And it was, bam, and then I hit the ground, and then I, was, I seriously, I almost passed out. I, was, I could taste metal, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. And I'm sitting there, and it was at that moment that I said, Lloydhauser, what are you doing? What is going on here? Calvin said that like, he came in and I was like, oh, woozy. He thought he was going to have to preach for me. I had a big knot on my head and I kind of didn't know what was going on. And, and it was just like one of those moments where like, you are trying too hard right now. This is ridiculous. And, and I'll, I want to tell you that for this sermon, 
Now, you're, you're going to say it doesn't show. But for this sermon, I, I have never worked so hard, I think, on a sermon. I don't know what the deal is. But I, I, I wrote this sermon three different times. So I wrote the first one. I'm like, no, that's no good. Threw it away. Wrote a second one. No, that's not a good. And then I finally, like, kind of last minute, like, okay, I got to get this one here and put it together. And, and part of the problem was that we were just coming off of Easter, amazing Easter here, uh, probably one of my most favorite weekends ever. And then we had uh, an amazing baptism right after that. And, you know, I've got, I'm feeling this pressure like, okay, I got to jump the shark. I got I to one-up this thing. But the problem is like, how do you do a bigger resurrection? You know, how, how do you get better than that? And, and God showed me that in the middle of it that I was just moving into striving. And now, and I believe that God actually used those kind of misstarts to bring us to what he really wanted us to, to look at for this last week, how we need to close this series on greater things. Because if you want a greater thing, if you want to move into the greatest thing that God has for you, it is not going to come from your own strength. Now, you can work and you can do that. I mean, the mindset of our world is, you know, if you want something better, work harder. Want more? You know, put more effort in there. Just make it happen. But I want you to understand that is not the kingdom mindset. It's not how it works in the kingdom of God. You can produce more, more things. There's no doubt about it. But you cannot produce greater things. And sometimes, in fact, many times, especially in the kingdom of God, less is actually more. That there's power just to come back and focus and see striving in our own strength cannot produce the greatest things of God. Now, I want you to understand that I am committed to diligence. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be diligent at being a, a father and a husband and a pastor. I mean, anything that I put my hands to, I want to do the very best that I can. But there is this line between diligence and striving. And I'm going to be real frank with you and honest. So since we did that uh, series on revival, remember when we, we said, spent some time, we said, okay, we need to confess our sins before God and let just, let's get right before him. And usually, you know, I know that pastors aren't supposed to work out their sins on the pulpit. They're supposed to figure it out and come. But I'm, I just want to tell you, I'm right in the middle of this one right now. And I was doing a communion just right over here. And, and, and God spoke to me really clearly. And he said, stop striving. So I just want you to know I'm actually in the middle of repentance right now. I'm learning what it means to not strive, to not just try to do it in my own strength and to trust him. And he didn't tell me that because he's disappointed in me. He told me that because he has more for me. There's life, that there's greater things outside of my striving. And so as I've been looking at this, I, there's this line between striving and diligence. You have striving over here. You have diligence over here. And... and excuse me, you have doing nothing over here and you know, you're just kind of like lazy and not working and then right in the middle of that is the greater thing because we do engage what God has us to do and there's three things that, that you have to look at. You have to look at your source, you have to look at your goal and then you have to look at your evaluation, your assessment of what you're doing. So I want to start by looking at the source. If you have your Bible, open it up to Psalm 127. Wonderful passage on the source. And God tells us this, Psalms 127.1, unless the Lord, this would be a great passage to memorize, by the way, unless the Lord builds the house, the worker labors in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stands guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those that he loves. And so your efforts without him can be successful, but ultimately they are futile. In the end, if he's not in it, what is it that it produces? I think about Howard Hughes. If you read his story, 
I mean, the guy started airlines and casinos and movies, dated anybody he wanted to. I mean, just was successful in every way that the world looks at success. But did you, have you ever read about how he died? I mean, the last couple of years, he never did, didn't take care of his own hygiene, didn't clip his fingernails but once a year, and, and that he was unrecognizable when people found him, and that he was actually keeping his own urine in jars because he was afraid that people were going to do things with it. I mean, it was just, it's what a futile waste of time. Now, we do make effort. Now, we do have to step up, right? That God wants us to, to, to be part of the deal. I love this passage in Exodus. If you have your Bible, go over to Exodus 14. And I think the Israelites didn't think it was funny, but I think this is kind of funny. And so here we are, the, the Israelites, and behind them, they have the Egyptians, the armies coming about to smush them because then they've got the Red Sea in front of them. They got this pinch and they're crying out to God. Moses is telling them, now just trust in the Lord. And I think this is pretty comical. In verse 15 of verse 14, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? It's so good. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through on dry ground. So God says, listen, I told you, Moses, that I'm going to deliver you. I told you to go forward. Come on. Get moving. And here's this beautiful thing. Is that, that, see, what God wants is he wants to do it with us. We get to do it together. We don't do it in our own strength, right? But we don't, we don't do nothing. We don't just kind of sit there and say, okay, God, do everything. And, and it's not because God needs you to do it. It's because God is such a relational God that he wants to involve you in it. And it's this wonderful thing where he's like, come along with me. Let's do this thing together. But not in your own strength. You do it in my strength. I know you can't get it done, but together we can do amazing things. Together I want to do amazing things through you. And see, we are his hands and he is the heart. I mean, you're the car and he is the engine. And when I do it on my own strength, when I am the source, it's exhaustion and it's futility and it's frustration and it just doesn't get anywhere. But when he is the source, when I look to him and say, okay, God, how would you lead me? Where are we going to go together? There's power. There's doors that open that just couldn't open otherwise. He takes you to amazing places and there's life and there's joy and there's blessing. Now, did you know that the Bible actually does tell us to strive in a few areas? You see, in Romans 15.30, the Bible says, strive in prayer. And then Jesus, in Luke, he says, strive to enter the narrow door. So there are a couple places where, where God's saying, okay, this is, if you're going to work really hard, this is where you work hard. You work hard in prayer. You work hard in seeking him. You work hard in doing it his ways, like looking to me and finding me is what he would say. Start there. That, if you're going to put your energy somewhere, if you're going to work really hard, learn to listen, to look, to discover my will, and then we go and do it together. Because in that seeking, that's where we find the source. And in that seeking, when we do it his way, that's where he, we find that he just opens up doors that you couldn't open on your own. And he's been just been, been, been correcting me and guiding me just tenderly, like, stop striving. You can't do this in your own strength. But I don't know about you, but there, there's a part of me that as soon as I know what God wants to do, I say, okay, I got it. Just need to know what to do. I got this one now. And it reminds me of um, my daughter. She had a, a friend come over here when she was about 14 
And um, we were taking the, the quads out up on the, uh, the plateau. And I was showing her how to do it. And she's like, okay, I got it. And I was like, okay, but no, no, I got it. I'm like, okay, you got it, right? Yeah, I got it. Okay. And so they were in front of me. And then, uh, I don't know, I was a couple turns behind them. And I look, and they're about 200 yards off the trail. And they're all in this, like, oak, scrub oak. I was like, I thought you got it. And that's how we are. God, I got it. No, I don't think you got it right now. I think you need to learn to walk with him every step of the way, to rely on him, to stop striving in your own strength. Because, you know, there is more life and power, I mean, in, his, in the nail of his pinky than I could produce in my whole lifetime. He is the source. The whole way. The only way that you can see a greater thing is if you rely on him. Which brings me to the goal. So we look at the source, and now we look at the goal. And so let's go back to our passage there in Psalms. And I want to look at the second half again. Just point that out. He says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Well, why is this guy working so hard? What's his goal that he's working towards? If you go over to Proverbs 23, Verse 4, it says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom, catch this, have the wisdom to show restraint. See, one of the things that you and I need to understand, this guy, he's working so hard, he's so tired, because he doesn't have the wisdom to show restraint. And you and I, we need to get to the place, we need to have the wisdom to say, you know what? That's enough. That's good enough. We don't need to go after that. See, the world is going to tell you, this is how you have to parent your kids. This is what's expected of you. I mean, even the church will say, this is what's expected of you, and this is what you have to be. This is what you have to do. The world's saying, you know, you've got to work for this thing, and you've got to achieve this thing. And you and I need to have the wisdom to show restraint and say, no, this is enough. This is what God has asked me to do in my home. This is what God has asked me to do in my marriage. And I know you're all chasing after that stuff. I know you're supposed to, you're supposed to. But you know what? I have the wisdom to say, actually, this is what God wants me to do. Striving, it is always found when the goal is me. When the goal is me or my name, striving comes. When the goal is my wealth or my status or my reputation or my ministry or my position or my stuff or my goodness, man, it is so exhausting, so frustrating. And it's tricky because we're working for some good things, aren't we? Providing for your family is a good thing. A good name, a good reputation, that is a good thing. But if you are the ultimate goal, then it will eventually, it's going to interrupt the partnership that God has for you. Because he's not going to come alongside you for the goal of you. He's coming alongside you for the goal of him and his glory. And see, the goal for us, if you want to get outside of striving, the goal has to be Jesus. The goal has to be his will and his heart and his kingdom and his purpose and his plan, and that's what I'm going after. My heart always leads me back to me, and me always leads me to striving. So if you're going to strive, strive in this, to seek his will. Strive in prayer. Strive in understanding his objective and his plan and, and his desire. And it's only in his heart and only in his way that you find the greatest things. You just can't produce them on your own. Years ago, I was playing uh, this video game. It's called Civilization. 
And in one week, in one week, I had put 40 hours into it. That's a full-time job. I put, like, on top of my job, I, I put, like, 40 hours into this game. And so I would play after Gina went to sleep. And so she was asleep, and it was at 3 in the morning on a Friday. And I was like, I won! I won! I beat civilization! And I looked around, and I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> what? Who cares? You know, what are you going to do? You're going to go in there and wake up Gina? I won the game! Go to bed. It's a lot of, I don't play that game anymore. It's like, I, I just, I'm not going to waste that amount of time. That's crazy. See, but a lot of us are living our lives like that. And you're like, I won. So what? At what did you win? You spent all that time and all that work for what? And we're chasing after these futile games, I mean, that, that are just as bad as like chasing after a video game. What a waste of time. But by him and in him. You know, if you're doing it by him, sitting in the park doing nothing can be a powerful, beautiful, worthwhile moment. Outside of him, being like the captain of industry or taking over the world, it's, it's just, it's a waste of time. And in him, there is no striving. In him, there is only just trusting, following, and obeying. I want to take you to a really famous passage. We've talked about it here before. It's Matthew eleven twenty-eight. So powerful. Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Anybody here weary? Are anybody here burdened? Jesus says, Come to me. Come to me. And you know what I'll do? I'll give you rest. Weary and burdened, that's not where I want you to be. I actually want you to be in rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle, I am humble in heart. He's so good. And you will find, you see that promise? You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I want to suggest to you that if you are weary, if you are burdened, if you are crushed, if you're like, I cannot take this load, I want to suggest to you that maybe you're taking a load that Christ doesn't intend you to carry. And I understand there's real problems and we want real solutions, but I think maybe you're thinking the solution comes by your own strength, that you have to carry this thing, that you have to do this thing. And Jesus says, no, no, come to me. A yoke, it's like a big piece of wood that, that, that it hooks two animals together. Why? So they can plow the field together. Take my yoke, Jesus says. You understand that he means he, he wants to be there right with you. And yes, you're going to pull and you're going to work. And there's things for you to do, but you're not going to do it alone. You're going to do it with Jesus right next to you. And he's going to be pulling, and he's going to be working, and he's going to be guiding. And in that, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants to share this with you. Jesus is saying, let's do this thing together. Rest is found when we do it together. Life is found when we do it together. And outside of you, it's tiring and it's burdensome and it's heavy. But in him, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Now, I'll tell you what, I, I've argued with that passage before. I think I've told you this before. Like I'm like, no, sir. It's heavy, Jesus. Working for you is heavy. If you do it in your own strength, it really is. If you do it for your own goals, it truly is. 
And so then we have to look at the evaluation and the assessment of what we do. And I want to show you this beautiful, beautiful passage in the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah tells us in chapter 6, verse 16, when we talk about the evaluation, as we look at the, uh, the evaluation of what we've done, this is what the Lord says. Okay, this is from God. Stand at the crossroads. So you're about to make a decision. You're about to decide what to do. Stand at the crossroads and look. And I love this. Ask for the ancient paths. Isn't that good? You're about to do something. You want, you want to, you got a decision to make. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask for the ancient ways. There's a wisdom that goes way beyond us. Ask where the good way is. And then when I tell you walk in it, do that. Go that way. And what's the result? If you ask for the ancient ways, if you ask for the good way, and then you walk in that way that God gives you, it says, and you will find rest for your soul. But you and me, I always say, nah, we will not walk in it. We'd rather do it our own way. There's a wisdom that's beyond us. See, there, there, there's an evaluation of what we do that's different than what we think. I was thinking about, we have in this church a number of, of coaches, and we've got some great co coaches and great programs in our sports teams here in our city, and, and some of them have taken state, and some of them have gotten so close, and, and I was just thinking about this. You know, is it more important to teach a young man or a young woman how to win or how to lose? What do they really need to know? And I know some of you coaches are right now, you're like, I'm going to punch you in the face, Carl. I've been working so hard on this thing, you know. But don't we need to know? I mean, yeah, you need to know how to win. But you need to, you need to know how to lose. The staff tells me today that they said that I never learned either of those, that I'm a horrible winner and I'm a horrible loser. So I, I, I need to learn how to do both of those things. But what's important? What are we going after? And see, letting go of so much of our striving comes once we decide that God gets to evaluate the outcome. That's up to him to decide if this is a good thing or a bad thing. And it's so good because that just means all I have to do is be faithful. All I have to do is be obedient. And I've talked a lot about this because this has been a game changer for me in the last few years where I finally come to the point where it's just like, you know what, I'll just do what you want me to do. And even if my fears are realized, even if the worst case scenario comes out and I did what you wanted me to do, then okay, then those fears must have been part of your plan. I'll take it. You can take me anywhere you want to take me. And when I get to that point of the outcome isn't what I'm working for, the obedience is what I'm working for, the faithfulness is what I'm working for. When I decide, Lord, you get to evaluate what's good and bad and what, what needs to come out of this thing. Oh man, there's peace. There's life and there's rest. And when I step out of that, I'm miserable. And I'm controlling and I'm freaking out. And I don't sleep and I'm worried and I'm panicked because I'm not walking in faith. I want to show you one other thing that we're supposed to strive for. And it's a passage actually that we looked at recently, but it, I want to show you what it says at the end. It's so important. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. And it says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God does from his. Now, check this out. 
This is the part we didn't focus on last time. Let us therefore make every effort. You might even say, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Do you hear that? One thing that you're supposed to strive for is rest. That actually to rest in God takes a lot of work. And you've got to fight for it. And you've got to work towards it. And you've got to decide, okay, now I am going to rest. I'm going to say that's enough. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to work to trust him and to walk in faith and to not take control and jump in there and mess this whole thing up. And he says, listen, and if you don't do that, I'm afraid you're going to fall into disobedience. If you're going to have to have it your way, if you're going to have to strive and take control of this, it's going to cause problems for you. Step back and rest. Strive to look to the source. Strive to pray. Strive to partner with his goals. Strive to evaluate the way that he does and strive to rest. I'll tell you what, I have been in a really, really busy, busy season. And just the weddings and funerals. And I was so harried that I was at this funeral and I don't know why. You know, there's three things that I, that I pray for a funeral. Lord, help me not to make things worse. Uh, Lord, help me to glorify you. And Lord, help me to, to bring comfort. And I made this one worse at this one. And I don't know. I just had kind of so much going on in my head and my mind. And at the end, I'm talking to the family and just kind of give them hugs. And for some reason, so embarrassing. I'm so embarrassed. But for some reason, I, I went to this guy and I said, Congratulations. And I was like, what did you just say? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm sorry about that. And so then I had a wedding to do the next day, and I was like, I, I hope I don't tell the bride, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> like, what is going on? It's just like so harried. Bill Hybels, he, he has a book, uh, it, and I love the title of it. It's Too Busy Not to Pray. Listen, I, I'm, I'm too busy not to rest. That's what happens when you strive and you don't rest. When you're just going, 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 you, start, you lose it. You don't have the strength. I'm too busy. I'm way too busy not to trust him. I am way too busy to not be led by the Holy Spirit in what I do. I am way too busy to strive in my own strength. Way too busy to mess around with that. I am way too busy to not just unplug and spend some time and just be with my father. Here's the thing. All, all the striving in the world cannot produce a single spiritual treasure. You, you can build a massive mountain with your hard work and you won't create a single diamond. Those diamonds come from him. There's a, a, a state park in Arkansas. It's called uh, Crater of Diamonds State Park. And actually, uh, you can, it's, uh, we got a picture of it. It's just this plowed field. And it's uh, one of the only parks I know of that you can take things from it. You can take by diamonds when you find them. And you walk through this field and you kind of dig around in the dirt and they have found over 35,000 diamonds have been taken out of this field. There's one diamond a few years ago that they found, a guy found was worth $175,000. And I thought, you know, that's kind of like a picture of walking with God as our source. Trying so hard to make things happen. And I think he's like, just come on into my field. Walk around and look, here's a treasure. And here's a treasure. And here's something beautiful. And here's something powerful. And here's something wonderful. But you've got to walk with me if you want to find them. You've got to do it my way. 
I have to be your source. I have to be your strength. I want to take you into this. I want to take you into a land where you're just picking up diamonds and seeing spiritual treasures all over the place. But you cannot do it without me. And you can't make it happen on your own. God wants to do greater things in you. He wants to do greater things through you. But you have to realize it comes from Him. All your hard work is not going to get you there. There are amazing treasures that God wants to bring out through you. He wants to bring into your life. And so I just want to take just a moment right now. I want to come before God and invite Him to show us our striving. Would you do that with me? Let's just close our eyes. And Holy Spirit, we ask, Holy Spirit, come right now. Holy Spirit, we ask for more of you. Holy Spirit, come and speak to every single person here. And just just pray this prayer right now to him. Just say, Holy Spirit, where am I striving? My own strength. And just reveal it. Holy Spirit, just show us, God. You're so gracious. Show us where we're trying to go it alone. Thank you, God. Now pray this. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do instead? Lord, help us to lay down our striving. Help us to trust you. Lord, we want greater things. We want your things. We want your treasures. So we give you these areas of our lives where we're trying to go it alone, and and we're done with that now. We put it on the altar. We say your way, not our way. Lord, we trust you. We thank you that in you, Lord, we find the greater way. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.